T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Eight playoff spots have been clinched. Four playoff spots remain. Do any questions remain about the Patriots' Spygate 2 scandal? And inconsistency rules the day and rules the season in the NFL. Niners and Cowboys, perfect examples on Sunday. We'll break them down. Happy Football Monday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Speaking of the Niners and Cowboys, the latest on their inconsistency from Joe Shasky, 95.7, the Bay Area. On what happened to the Niners Sunday and Kevin Hagelin, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Again, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Dallas Cowboys, finally a quality win. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home from the Army-Navy game over the weekend. He is in Pennsylvania, as always. Good Monday to you, sir. Uh, Biggest surprise from the week that was in the NFL? Hmm. I could go with a couple. Uh, I think I'm I'm surprised Atlanta went to San Francisco and won. I was not expecting that, especially with the 49ers having the number one seed home field advantage throughout the postseason on the table. That surprised me for sure. Now, they can still get it if they win out, but was not expecting them to lose to the Falcons at home. So that's a big surprise for sure. Uh, And I guess I'm surprised that the Cowboys beat the Rams in the manner in which they did. Although, Dave, that to me sort of epitomizes the NFL. Cowboys coming off their two worst games of the year (laughs) against the Bills and the Bears. The Rams coming off their two best games of the year uh, against both the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So, of course, you're thinking the Rams are going to roll the Cowboys and the exact opposite happens that in my mind when people ask me to describe the nfl that's kind of how i would describe more anything else is that right there you know you think you have it figured out you think you know the trends you think you know the direction these teams are going and then boom it hits you right in the face cowboys absolutely demolished the rams in a game the cowboys had to have it was really impressive and so i guess i shouldn't be surprised but i still was Yeah, you know, it's amazing, right? Because as a team, consistency is the most essential quality. That's what it takes to be great. Unpredictability is the beauty of the NFL. You can just forget everything you know week to week. Unpredictability is what makes the NFL the greatest sport we have, bar none. For me, most surprising thing on the weekend Jameis freaking Winston, 450 yards passing in two straight weeks. You know how many guys have done that in NFL history? Zero. Patrick Mahomes completing 80% of his passes in a freaking blizzard. That's insane. 
And how about the Bills Mafia? At 2 a.m., Bills fans showed up at the airport below freezing temps to celebrate their team clinching a playoff spot twice in three years. First 10-win season since 1999. A lot of surprises to get into on a football Monday. I don't often like to start a show with how I was wrong, but in this case, I was dead wrong. And Ross Tucker, you were exactly right. The Patriots scandal, they're nailed. Cookie jar and all. Jay Glazer, Fox Sports, unveil the video of the videographer shooting the sideline at Cleveland of the Cincinnati sideline. It's not just the video that is damning, focused on <laughs> sitting there on the Bengals sideline, but it's the audio. Listen to the interaction between security and the videographer, who is now suspended, by the way, David Mondillo. Here's the audio. And this is a piece you're filming on your advanced scout? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. But I can delete this right here for you. Damage is done, my friend. There's no way I can get that footage back. I'm being honest with you. Okay, that's how my kids react. It went on when they're guilty, when they know they're caught. The kids say, can I delete it, essentially? Ross, I wanted to believe, because I do believe, Bill Belichick is the smartest person I've ever covered, and I've said this before, in politics, in business, and in sports. In this case, he was the stupidest head coach in all of professional sports. It is clear from the video and the reaction of David Mondillo, they were guilty, guilty, guilty. I was wrong. You were right, sir. Well, hold on a second. Tell me why you feel so strongly now that the Patriots are guilty. What aspect of it? Couple we of already, things. We already knew they were filming the sideline. So, yeah. I mean, and that there were eight minutes of video of them filming right. the sideline that the Bengals security guy had captured. What about it? Is it about him saying he'll delete it? Is it about him saying, I'll be honest with you? By the way, that is usually a telltale sign when someone's like, I'll be honest with you. Nah, not usually. Not usually. There's usually a reason why they're saying that. Yeah. Well, it was that. It was the reaction, the feeling, the appearance. That was guilt on videotape. That was guilt. Offering to delete the video right then and there is guilt. But number two, why, they why is offering this to delete the video guilt? Hang on one sec. Let me just pile on top of that. Initially, we were told this was a you know sort of a freelance or a contract. Uh, now we know David Mondillo has worked for the organization for 18 years and once helped produce Bill Belichick's program. So. There is no, and, and then the third thing that I don't like is that David Mondillo on this video when encountered suggested he didn't know what we're seeing on the videotape, the sideline. He didn't know that he was not supposed to shoot that videotape. Oh, there's one more thing. If I can pile on this 
shit Sunday there for the Patriots. It's that if you go back and read Seth Wickersham's incredible reporting of Spygate 1, this matches up almost word for word what the videographers were told to say if caught back then. So they haven't even changed their playbook. So I wish it were one thing that changed my mind. Instead, it was at least four things. The audio is probably the most damning of those. And the fact that the videographer worked for the organization for 18 years and certainly then knew the rules and knew what Bill Belichick would have presumably wanted of another team. So... I got a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, one is I would submit to you that what an advanced scout does do at a game is they do look at the substitutions for the team that they're going to play in the next game. They look at hand signals, see if they can pick anything up. All of that is legal. What's not legal, obviously, is to video it, but they do look at hand signals, any type of signaling that's going on, coverage signals, and they do look at substitution patterns and the sideline. So I guess what I would tell you is if they're doing a documentary or a show on what an advanced scout does, I'm okay with them showing the sideline a little bit. For them to have done it for eight straight minutes or as long as they did it, I think eight minutes might, by the way, only be what the Bengals security people captured. Who knows how long they were doing it? I think that's when the Patriots start to lose some credibility. And then, you know, what's weird about it is he acts like he doesn't know you're not supposed to do that which I would find hard to believe if he's been around the organization for 18 years, that he wouldn't know he's not supposed to do that. And then so quick to say he'll delete it. Like, if you didn't think you did anything wrong, you wouldn't, you'd be like, yeah, I'm just filming the sideline. What's, what's wrong? Like, it, it, it doesn't go together with me all that well, Dave, both the... I didn't know it was wrong, and I'll delete it, I'll delete it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. And David Mondillo released his own statement saying, we also took footage of the field as the intent was to show what he, the advanced scout, was looking at when he looked through his binoculars watching the game. That should have been exactly what David Mondillo told that security when they asked him what he was shooting. Well, I'm just trying to shoot exactly what our scout would see, would look in at, and would focus on with his binoculars. For you, someone who played the game and broadcasts the game and stands on the sideline, what could have been gathered, what could have been learned if Bill Belichick was hand-delivered that videotape? I guess in the end, that's what I can't help but I can't get away from how much could they actually gain from that video to prepare for the Bengals? Uh, I don't think that much, uh, which is one of the major flaws, I think, in a lot of the things that the Patriots have done. Like, even though some people would say that not, there was no real conclusion to deflate gate, 
the fact that the Patriots have played so well and won Super Bowls since then would be evidence in my mind, Dave, that it didn't really help that much, right? I mean, even the game after, you know, that Colt situation, they were terrific, even without the balls being a little under the inflation threshold. So, and even you go back to Spygate, I don't know how much they really got out of that. I don't know how much it really helped them. Really, only Bill Belichick and Ernie Adams can really answer that. I I guess it's helpful for them to know what the substitution patterns are. I guess it's helpful for them to maybe try to dissect some of the coverage signals. Let's not forget, you know, the people that say they don't need to do that against the Bengals. It's the Bengals. First of all, the Patriots never look at it that way. That's one of the reasons why they're so successful. They never take an opponent for granted, and they would never look at it and say, oh, it's just the Bengals. Never. Never, ever, ever. Secondly, they're struggling. They are struggling this year. So they're looking for any minuscule, minimal benefit that they can ever get, they will try to get. Yeah. I think I told you before, we would practice on the game field. They wouldn't let the grounds crew back when it was a grass field, make sure the field was in good conditions. They wanted it in bad conditions so that we understood and knew the pros and cons of the field better than our opponent. Any, you know, their philosophy, Dave, is any little advantage they can get you get a little here, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little here, a little here, a little there. Well, you put them all together, and now you're giving yourself a, a decent advantage going into the game. You know, it's funny because so many people say, why would they do this? Why would they have the guy, you know, be in Patriots gear in the press box? That, my friends, is the beauty of it. Dave, have you ever tried to sit somewhere at a sporting event, a better seat than you actually had? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Okay. What? Tell me your strategy. Uh, well, it's always generally baseball games because there's always empty seats at baseball games. And the whole key is just act like you belong there. Don't show any confusion. Don't look down. Don't look at anything. Don't pull out tickets. You just got to act like you belong there. Thank you. That is the beauty of it. I've done that a million times growing up. You don't make eye contact with the security guard. You don't look at your tickets. You don't look like you don't know what you're doing. You walk by that guy like you own the place, and you will be shocked and horrified if he tries to stop you from going and sitting in the seats that your grandpa has had since 1938. That, that is how you act, okay? And that is the beauty of what the Patriots did here, is that they got credentialed, they're wearing a Patriots uh, stuff, they're in the press box. It's one of those things that you'd look over at him in the press box and you'd be like, yeah, well, I mean, he's got a credential. He's here. He's got a video camera. Must be fine. M must, must be fine. 
that that's the beauty of it. Plus, if they do get busted, like they might have here, they have plausible deniability. I'm there for a show. I'm filming the advanced scout and what he does. Plausible deniability. Belichick can wash his hands of it and say, I don't have anything to do with it. Now, let me say this, Dave. I'm not 100% certain that the Patriots are cheating in this instance. Not at all. In fact, I would say maybe I'm 60% cheating, 40% they didn't, whatever it is, right? What I would tell you is they absolutely do not deserve and shouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know how anybody could argue otherwise. But let me get to this point, Dave. And this is the last thing I have to say about this. Does it really matter? Like, they're going to end up getting a fine. They're going to end up losing a draft choice. But other than that, does it really matter? If it's a second-round pick versus a fifth-round pick, if the fine's $100,000 versus a million, it's going to happen. They're going to lose a pick, I think, and they're going to and they're going to get fined. Does it matter what the details of that are? No, no. And and I just want to see some quick action. Um, I'm surprised. I feel that they're more guilty than you do. I think I've I've flipped. Uh, I guess a little quick. Um, I did give the benefit of the doubt. That's why I'm angry. I hate when I give someone the benefit of the doubt and they prove me wrong. I hate that. So I guess that's why I flipped so far so fast. Let's start up the radio.com red zone, get some local reaction on the story. W E E I as stations around the country are talking about this. It is subject number one in Boston this morning. Listen. If this thing comes out, it's going to be dangerous because some people will understand that you look at it and say, there's nothing you can really glean from this. You can't really figure anything out. And there are other people that are going to look at it and they're going to say, wait a minute, it's the sideline. So you have to be getting something out of it by pointing it to the sideline, not understanding what you really need to be able to sit there and get any information out of it. I've already seen it on Twitter where there are a lot of people that are fairly well-educated that you would think are national media people that are saying they showed their guilt right there. They're basically saying, I'll I'll delete it for you right right here if you want. I'll delete it. Maybe they're showing it because they got caught. All right, so let let me play a little devil's advocate then here. If if I'm the, if I'm a, uh, all right, how about this? Maybe you and I can't see what's valuable on there, but maybe the greatest mind in the history of football could see something valuable there. Need a lot of help to beat that that one-win team. And and that's why. That's not the point. The point is you did something that you weren't supposed to do that you already got in trouble for. Okay, so if you're saying, well, this is useless information, I'll counter that with, like, nothing's useless to Bill Belichick. He is the most uh, uh, incredible coach in the history of the NFL. There's something he could probably get from we're all in agreement. If it wasn't the Patriots, for the most part, it probably would have oh, been. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on, time I, out. I agree with you. Wait, 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 hold on. If it was a team that had, in recent history, uh, gotten then it uh, would be. gotten dinged for that before, would they have been dinged yes. again? Okay, so then uh, why would it be the Patriots? The Patriots because there the is, team? name another team that would have been through that. Okay, name another team okay. that would do it twice. My biggest problem with showing this video was that 
no matter if, if you if you looking at it from a football standpoint, you probably and I already heard Jimmy Johnson and others who would understand whether you can gain anything from it are pretty much saying there's nothing really there. The problem is to the to majority of the people out there. They look at it and say, oh, my God, it's the sideline view. There's a lot there. And you have the Patriot employees sitting there saying, I could delete it for you right now. I'll take care of it. I'll I'll do it. So what ends up? It doesn't diminish what they did. Radio.com, Red Zone there, W-E-E-I on Sunday, Patriots postgame show with Glenn Ordway. I think you heard Fred Smurlis in there as well. Is this only a big deal because of the Patriots? And does it change the way you view their accomplishments? Well, it is a bigger deal because it's the Patriots. Uh, It doesn't really affect how I feel about their accomplishments. My frustration has always been that they do these small things that allow people to call into question the accomplishments of all the, 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 the great players they've had. But I will say this. I'd like to go back to the initial Spygate audio or the initial Deflategate audio it actually sounds like this is the first time where they're like, yeah, this doesn't look good. You know, I feel like everybody up there in New England was so defiant the first couple times. And it, 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 correct me if you think I'm wrong, Dave, but it feels like this time there's at least a little bit more balance than I think there was for Spygate 1 or Deflategate. Yes, I was there. I lived in Boston at the time, was covering the team. So, yes, absolutely, that was the reaction was angry, circle the wagons, us against the world. Everyone wants to break down our accomplishments. The Patriots are the best because Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are the best. Uh, it is broken down each step along the way. I think Deflategate softened some up, and now this, and people understand this is just who they are. It's just what they do. Speaking of just who they are and just what they do, the Dallas Cowboys just are maddeningly inconsistent. It's just who they are. On Sunday, they finally had their first great win, first good win of the season, first time they've beat a winning team, and wow, did they punish them. I mean, they obliterated the Los Angeles Rams 44-21, wasn't even that close, 475 yards total offense, annihilating that Rams front seven, both Zeke Elliott and Pollard over 115 yards rushing. It was a dominant effort on the ground, 263 yards rushing. But Ross, the story was almost what happened before the game. The Radio.com Red Zone continues now with 105.3 The Fan hashing out Defergate, which was when the quarterback, the captain, Dak Prescott, went out there and instead of simply saying we defer at the opening coin toss, said we want to kick off. Here's 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. You want to kick. Okay, you're going to kick. No, 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 you don't want okay, to kick. You want to defer. Do you think he got that, babe? Because if they I, say I, kick, then the Rams would have their option in, they would, if, in, if, in the second half. Yeah. Whoa. I have not heard that. Yeah. Brad Sham doing play-by-play and commentary of the coin toss. Dak did say kick. He did say defense. But he also eventually said defer. And that apparently... Uh, Got the Cowboys the rock to start off the third quarter. Ask me, hey, ask me if I want to go to lunch with you today. 
You want to go to lunch with me? Today? I don't know. Maybe yes. Hamburgers, chicken, no, yes. Whoa. <laughs> All right. So what's you, my answer? You blame the Cowboys more. One hundred percent. It was awfully nice of the NFL to 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 interject that clearly the Cowboys don't want to kick it twice. That can't be what they meant. Uh, yeah, definitely a weird start. Uh, we wanted to set adversity there instead of on the field uh, so we could play from behind immediately. <laughs> but um, just bad, bad use of words by me. Um, able to we listen to the audio. We got it figured out. Um, but, yeah, just wasn't the best, wasn't the cleanest coin flip I've been a part of. So what did you say and how did that? A little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's audio to it. There's audio to it. I was waiting for Elias Sports Bureau to tweet out when, when's the last time a team got the ball at the beginning and got the ball at halftime. You know, the NFL was not obligated to do what they did. No. Just because I said defer somewhere in the sentence after I said kick doesn't mean I get the ball. So I don't blame Walt Anderson. He didn't He didn't know what to do. Yeah. It's, nobody. Nobody's ever made four choices before. 105 through the fan in Dallas reacting to Defergate, which was going to be the story of the day until the Dallas Cowboys just destroyed the Rams, made that stout defense just invisible. Dak was fantastic in the game, but he almost screwed this one up, Ross. I guess for devil's advocate, I don't even understand why the NFL has a situation that would allow you to kick off to start both halves. I mean, look, it should be if we say kick off, then you do receive in the second half. But should the NFL have done, did they do the right thing in coming to Dak's rescue? I do think they did the right thing. But Dave, can you even imagine if the Rams ended up getting the ball at the start of the half, both halves, if the NFL didn't correct what I thought was a poor choice of words by Dak Prescott, but also a mistake by Walt Anderson. You know what he meant, Walt, and he said defer. So I thought that was handled very poorly by Walt Anderson. As usual, Dak should have been cleaner to use his words, but Dave, can you imagine what the whole world would be like? What this show would be like if the Cowboys lost by like a field goal and the Rams got the ball to start both halves? Can you freaking imagine what that would be like? And let me just say this too. I think it, It's laughable to me that while all of the coin toss stuff is going on, it's Jason Garrett, LOL, fire Garrett now. Like, all of this blame of Jason Garrett. And then you actually hear the audio, and you're like, well, he clearly told Dak what to do. He said defer. Dak just screwed it up. But you don't hear people saying, oh, my bad, Jason Garrett. Still bash him. Then at the end of the game, when they kill the Rams, it's not, boy, Jason Garrett, great job getting those guys to bounce back from those two bad losses. It's just, wow, look how good the Cowboys players are. I, I don't I just don't like in life when a guy becomes like a punching bag. You know, it's like Jason Garrett and Trubisky and Kirk Cousins and the social media mob. It's a safe haven for them to just bust it on him all the time. I, I hate that. 
Yeah, I, I got to tell you, though, switching to the game result uh, and the Cowboys dominating the Rams, uh, the inconsistency there to some after the game said, this is why Jerry Jones has to keep Jason Garrett. To me, this is why Jerry Jones has to fire Jason Garrett. Not today, not tomorrow, not in season, but this is proof on Sunday of why they need a coaching change in Dallas because you can't have a team that's capable of going out there and crushing the Rams and somehow losing to the Jets. That type of maddening inconsistency is at the very core of what the problem is for the Dallas Cowboys, and it will continue to be as long as Jason Garrett's there. It's just it's just who he is. It's who that organization is under Garrett. They were ex- outstanding yesterday, but they're going to have to move on, barring a run all the way to the Super Bowl, which right now could start with a week one game against San Francisco. They could be done in their first playoff game. Uh, d- do you think this is, is evidence that Garrett's got to go or that he's got to stay? I think it's neither. I think that if they get to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl, I think he'll probably stay. If they don't, he won't. But if they win multiple playoff games, a home playoff game, a road playoff game, and they're in the NFC Championship game, I don't know if Jerry Jones is going to want to mess with that or not. And I'll say this, you know, we'll have plenty of time during the week to break down the NFC East Championship game on Sunday between the Cowboys and the Eagles that's coming up. But the Cowboys are a much better team. I mean, they're much healthier, much better players right now. There is no way they should lose that game. I don't think that they will sneak peek here, but uh, it'll be interesting. And if they do, without question, Jason Garrett won't be back. Jerry Jones will be looking for a new head coach, and he'll probably be doing it at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Plus, they actually have screening questions that helps you filter candidates so you can easily focus on the best ones, Jerry Jones. In fact, I know a lady, Jerry Gretchen, She was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks, thanks to ZipRecruiter. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. They'll fire Jason Garrett. It redeems Jerry Jones. The roster he's built is superior to the one in Philadelphia. They will handily beat the Eagles this week. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Another of the biggest surprises from the Sunday in the NFL, which was, of course, arguably number one by a mile, the San Francisco 49ers. After going to New Orleans and beating the Saints and going toe-to-toe with Drew Brees, they come back home 
and they lose to the Falcons. What the hell happened to the Niners and Jimmy G and a silver lining for Joe Shasky, 95-7, the game who joins us after a quick break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Born and raised a Bronco fan for 43 years. I have hated the Raiders. On Sunday, I, for the first time in my life, wanted them to win they couldn't deliver, blowing a 13-point lead in the final game in Oakland Coliseum. And just when you felt bad for Raiders fans, they gave a big F you to their players, booing them off the field, saying F you to Derek Carr, throwing things on the field. There were even arrests. Raiders fans, good freaking riddance. Tough day in the Bay Area for football fans. Let's get into that on Home and Home, radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. The man we hire to get all our insights from the Bay Area on a tough Sunday evening. Joe Shasky, the butcher boy, joins us. Shasky, good to see you, brother. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. How you feeling after that Niners upset? At the hands of the Falcons at home? What the hell happened, man? That was ridiculous. They played absolutely terrible. They came out flat. I thought that the game plan was absolutely vanilla. One of Shanahan's worst performances as far as creativity, setting up guys. I mean, he just kept trying to feed Tevin Coleman to prove that, you know, Tevin Coleman should have stuck with the Falcons or something. I'm not sure. Raheem Mostert is the best running back on this team right now. And for some reason, Kyle Shanahan is not giving him 20 to 25 carries like he absolutely deserves in every single game. He's got fresher legs. He's got more jukes. He's got more speed to the outside. Raheem Mostert is a problem. He should be the number one running back. It shouldn't even be close. For some reason, he's sprinkling in Breida and putting way too much Coleman on my plate I want a center plate stake of Raheem Mostert every single week I don't know why they've gone away from that and then again the trend for Kyle Shanahan and, I, and I'm, I'm calling it a trend now because it's happened time and time again in a lot of their losses not just this year going back last year and even in year one he's only in year three but he has a problem with clock management when Julio Jones caught a pass in the final minute they were marching down about the 25 yard line they had three full timeouts left there was about a minute and six seconds left I'm screaming from the stands call a timeout your defense is gassed they're gonna score a touchdown 
touchdown, leave enough time on the clock so that your offense can can have some time to march down the field and kick a game-winning field goal. And uh, they didn't. And 30 seconds goes off the clock. Matt Ryan hits Julio again. They get all the way down to about the five-yard line. And with five seconds left, Kyle Shanahan calls timeout and allows Atlanta to regroup and, and get themselves together. It's just this is a trend for Kyle Shanahan. He's throwing the ball in situations where he should run it late in games to close out, and he doesn't understand when and where to use his timeouts. This is really, really driving me crazy at this point. Joe, does this invalidate the win over the Saints, cancel it out in your mind? You know, it's funny that you say that. They clinched the playoffs for the first time since 2013 yesterday. This should be a day of celebration. And instead, I'm livid. I'm I'm really livid because this is not the exact same team that started off the season on such a tear. They're missing five starters on defense. No Jaquaski Tart, no Sherman, uh, no Colin Alexander. He's gone for the year. No DJ Jones. He's gone for the year. And D4, who you traded a second-round draft pick and gave a ton of money to, I don't know if he's ever come coming back this year. So I don't, I, I'm worried. I'm It's situation critical, as Andre Nicotina, a great Bay Area rapper, once said. It is situation critical right now. They have a slugfest awaiting them, week 17. If you lose that game, you are going to play, what, Dallas, the Philadelphia Eagles? One of those teams can beat you. I'm sorry. You're, you're at home. I saw a 7-9 and nine, uh, uh, Seattle team whip up on a damn good New Orleans team almost a decade ago in the, the beast mode run that we all remember. Anything can happen in the playoffs in a one-game scenario. Both uh, Philadelphia has a dynamic quarterback. Uh, we know that the Dallas Cowboys are absolutely loaded. Obviously, their coach stinks. But this 49er team is completely hobbled, and they don't know what their identity is right now because week to week, I have no idea who's going to be on the field. So as you mentioned, barring a Week 17 win in Seattle, your team with 11 and three right now could go on the road to start the playoffs. I'm a proponent of reseeding. I don't think a team that good with 11 and I'm guessing 12 wins, they'll beat the Rams next weekend should have to start the playoffs on the road. Do you like the current situation? Or do you think reseeding ought to be considered? Uh, this one is a tough one because like I said, I, I've been in the NFC West as a fan my whole life. And so I, I seen the, the, the Seattle Seahawks get a 7-9 and nine home game and beat up a double-digit win New Orleans Saints team. Is it fair? Well, I mean, win the division. You know, win the division. In my opinion, the 49ers do not deserve a home game if they can't go up to Seattle and beat Russell Wilson. You want to win a division. You want to go to the Super Bowl. Well, you better knock off the Hall of Fame quarterback and the Hall of Fame head coach. That's just – maybe I'm old school. I don't know. I, I, I understand why they have it in place. And you know what? Dems the breaks. You know, you talk to kids. I'm a coach. I tell them, life isn't fair. You know what? Go out and win games that you got to win. Don't lose a game against Seattle on your home turf where you had full control and were up double digits. Like, this is on them. Have they had an amazing season? Absolutely. But that's the NFL. Not for long. Things change like that. We saw, you referenced the Raiders earlier. They were on a roll when Derek Carr was going for an MVP in 2016. And then he breaks his leg and that team did not deserve to host a playoff game because they fell short they would go to the Texans and get smoked in a playoff game and they've never been the same since so unfortunately life isn't fair I don't think the NFL should be fair I'm not out here to give brownie points win the division get a home game I don't think it's that hard 
Joe, did this show like a chink in the armor? And does this give you serious pause or concern about the Niners' ability to go to the Super Bowl? Or do you just kind of wave it off and say, you know, they lost the game at home they shouldn't have. They'll still win the next two. They're still the best team. Yeah, I've been arguing with fans for the last 24 hours. It's driving me nuts because everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter because, again, this is not the same defense. They are hurt right now. They're banged up. Uh, on offense, you can tell they lost their 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 center, Weston Richburg, who was playing unbelievable. That's affected them in the run game. That's affected them in the pass game. And then as far as that pass game goes, Jimmy Garoppolo never was in rhythm yesterday. That is alarming. If you want to win playoff games, your quarterback has to be in rhythm, especially against a bottom third defense like the Atlanta Falcons. Like, you need to understand what that team was that came into the field. They had one ridiculous player, Julio Jones, and he single-handedly beat you. Well, guess what? All the teams that are going to make the playoffs have multiple dudes on offense that are dynamic studs that will rip your heart out. And, and look, the, this secondary isn't getting healthier. Like, even if Sherman and Jaquaski tart come back, like, those are very good players. But you don't get healthier as the season goes on. I mean, like, you broke a rib. You, you know this, Ross Tucker. I mean, you break a rib. You're not healthy for weeks. You can't even lift your arm. And you're going to go out and play the violent sport of, uh, of the NFL? Like, get out of here. And then Richard Sherman is hobbling around. I love Richard Sherman. But a hamstring could pop at any moment. You got uh, a young man, Mosley, on one side and another guy, Witherspoon, on the other. They're so young and they're so raw. And this secondary uh, is getting exposed. And then simultaneously, this pass rush isn't as deep as it was just five weeks ago. No D Ford is humongous. No DJ Jones up the middle clogging things. That guy is a freak. He's gigantic. DeForest Buckner's been on a milk carton for about four weeks. And Nick Bosa is playing more snaps right now than he has at any point in his life. I mean, let's not remember, forget, this guy only played three or four games at Ohio State. He's hit the rookie wall. And he's still an absolute stud. I mean, he's making plays. It's just he can't finish plays right now because there's not a lot of help on that defense, uh, defensive line. So I'm extremely worried. I'm telling you right now, if they have to play in the wild card game, they may win one game. But that's it. They need this bye game, uh, this bye week, to get rested, and they need that home field advantage. I, they absolutely need that. The silver lining, though, is the refs finally got it right, and they did it in the clutch. For those of you that missed the game, Austin Hooper caught a touchdown. They looked at it; it was reversed. That was the right call. Julio Jones caught was not a touchdown. They looked at it reversed it and got it right. I was thrilled not for your team to lose, but man, it felt good to see the refs review two crucial calls in the clutch and get them both right. Talking to Joe Shasky, the butcher boy. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just want to ask a question on that because what drives Please. me nuts is the selective jurisprudence in the NFL when it comes to officiating. They stopped that play Immediately, I could not believe how quickly they stopped that play. He's stuffed at the one, clock expires. So you put time back on the clock. I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is, where's the consistency from week to week? We never see the sense of urgency from the officials down to the goal line in game time situations or game winning situations. It kind of, again, 
It's the right thing. But I want to see this exact same sense of urgency from the officiating every single week. Why do we not see it? Why, for whatever reason, on a game-winning catch where Julio gets stuck, one second left on the clock, time expires. No, 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 no. We're going to put the one second back on. We're going to review this immediately. In most situations like that, what ends up happening? The guy leans forward to try to get in the end zone. Clock expires. And, uh, you know, we can't we, we can't really change anything. I mean, like, you see that every single Dude. week. We saw it with the Raiders this, this year. It drives me nuts. You sound like somebody from Boston that can't be happy. They got it right. They got it right. It's week to week. I'm freaking out, just ecstatic that the NFL got it right, two for two in the clutch. You're also uh, you're also out there covering the Raiders, who I actually had some sympathy for late. I can't believe this Bronco fan wanted the Raiders to win their final game at Oakland Coliseum, and in particular wanted it for the fans. They blow the 13-point lead, and the fans turn on the team in a big way, booing them, F you to Derek Carr, throw, Derek Carr st- throwing stuff on the field. I think there was an arrest or two. What was a bigger letdown to you, the way the team finished or the fans finished? Well, first off, Dave, I have to – I'm caping up for the fans here, and I mean this sincerely. This is on Mark Davis, one of the worst owners in the history of sports. This dude has been collecting a welfare check from the NFL and begging municipalities to fund his private organization. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so against public money being used for private finance. This drives me absolutely nuts. This dude had his hand out demanding that the city of Oakland and the county of Alameda give him a stadium, give him land, you know, free of the, like, free of of everything. Could you imagine Joe's liquor store on the corner saying, hey, you know what, I'd like roof improvements. I'd like to buy my next door neighbor's building at one-tenth the cost. You, the city of Oakland, should be paying for that. Because that's essentially what Mark Davis has done to the city of Oakland. He's had a middle finger to the fans for 20 years. He's one of the worst owners in the history of the game. He has no liquid assets whatsoever. He's knee-deep in financial debt, and that's why he's whoring himself out to go to Las Vegas. Good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And as far as the fan behavior, no one's condoning throwing some stuff out onto the field. I mean, those guys, that's one out of so many fans that are out there. That guy's an idiot or that person is an idiot, clearly. Uh, I'm just saying, this organization has kicked its fan base in the nuts time and time and time again. I don't blame Oakland fans. I don't blame Raider fans. I blame Mark Davis. I'm telling you, look at that. In, in about five years, when Jerry Jones decides he wants to sell the the, the the Raiders to some giant investor and they finally boot Mark Davis, it's going to happen. Believe me, it's going to happen. We're going to all look back in this and say, Mark Davis got completely hoodwinked by Jerry Jones, who wanted to have a team in Vegas and wanted to uh, have basically some sort of a weekend travel party whenever his team decided to play the Oakland Raiders every eight years on the road. Because it's an absolute joke. It's a travesty that Mark Davis was allowed to have control of this NFL team, try to go to Southern California, rejected, and then got a free handout by the city of Las Vegas where they're paying a billion dollars for a stadium that he doesn't even really Really want because he's a greedy, ungrateful jerk who doesn't deserve his team. I'm telling you, worst owner in professional sports, hands down. The city of Oakland gets a bad rap. I feel so bad for the Oakland Raider fans. And Mark Davis, honest to God, don't ever come back to the Bay Area. We don't want you here. Go to the PF Changs in Las Vegas. We don't ever want to see you again. 
Uh, I like P.F. Chang's, by the way. I like the lettuce wrap. <laughs> I think they're, they're delicious. Uh, Joe, what's the deal, though? And by the way, I, I felt awful for Raiders fans. I think they're generally awesome, diehard, loyal. I cannot believe they blew that game. But what's your read or take on some of the Raiders fans evidently swearing and saying F you to Derek Carr? <laughs> I didn't really understand that. I saw other players going around and yeah. high-fiving fans. I, that seemed a little extreme. Am I missing something? Is there more to the story with swearing yeah. and booing Derek Carr off the field? The Derek Carr conundrum reminds me so much of Alex Smith, where he was with the, the San Francisco 49ers before the lockout, before Jim Harbaugh came in. Raider fans have just had enough of him. I mean, Derek Carr is a nice guy. Here's the problem. Derek Carr is in the middle of a gigantic separation between the fan base. You have half the fan or more than half the fan base saying, once they go to Las Vegas, I'm never going to root for them again. Then you got a bunch of people saying, well, if you're not riding with the team, you're not a diehard. I'm going to follow them no matter where they go. And I I think Derek Carr fell right into the middle of this. He already said he bought a house. He's going to live right next to John Gruden. He's been kind of all about the Las Vegas move. And that's not a knock on Derek. What else is he supposed to say? But I think his play on the field has been so up and down. And he's just left so much to be desired. He, unfortunately, on the field is the face of all the dysfunction that Mark Davis represents. And the fans needed to take it out on somebody. Because you know why? That weasel and that coward Mark Davis wouldn't stand at the 50 yard line because that entire stadium would boo him right back to Las Vegas. I'm, I'm dead serious on this. Uh, they're taking their venom out on Derek Carr and yeah, there's a lot of people that just don't want to see Derek Carr as the quarterback of the Raiders anymore and I understand that but I think that he ended up being the pinata for fans' frustrations when in reality they should channel that energy toward Mark Davis. He just happened to be in the wrong place, at the wrong time, and fans were going to take it out on him. It, it doesn't mean that they hate Derek Carr. I just think they're done with him as their quarterback because, to be honest with you, the guy's left a lot to be desired. He's been paid handsomely. And let's, if we really want to break this down, he has been in the most dysfunctional organization in all of pro sports. I mean, look at what happened with John Gruden when he finally came in. He keeps Reggie McKenzie. He trades away Khalil Mack, trades away Amari Cooper. And that's just in the last 18 months. Think about what he had to deal with before this with, uh, you know, uh, what's his face? Jack Del Rio and the different coordinators that they've had going on there. They've got no money, no resources. They've got no training facility whatsoever. Again, this all falls at the lap of Mark Davis. The guy has been collecting welfare checks from the NFL revenue sharing system for way too long. He does not deserve to be an NFL owner. And the fans took it out on Derek Carr because he happened to be on the field at the end of the game when everybody's liquored up and frustrated and the team lost in another heartbreaking fashion. And unfortunately, that was kind of the metaphor of the last 20 some odd years since returning to Oakland. We're going to rip your heart out at the end and show you how truly dysfunctional we are on our way to our next location, Las Vegas. So sad. These love letters to Mark Davis brought to you by Joe Shasky. <laughs> 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. Butcher Boy, you are the best. We appreciate your insights and really subtle opinions about the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, Dave, one last thing. The biggest story in Bay Area right now is Madison Bumgarner leaving to go to an NL West division opponent, the Arizona Diamondbacks? He's not going to the Braves. He's not going to the Yankees, the Red Sox. He's going to the upstart, like, 
Arizona Diamondbacks? Are you kidding me? Oh. Yeah, I was I was very surprised. I was disappointed. I wanted to see him go to the Angels. I want to see Mike Trout relevant. I want to see someone help Mike Trout be relevant. That's not going to happen, bro. So that was a I bummer know. for me. An interesting trade with Corey Kluber and the Indians, too. I think they could have gotten a lot more Indians fans can be just Cleveland sports fans. That's just a bummer of a city. Butcher Boy, good to see you, my friend. Merry Christmas to you guys. If I don't talk to you, Dave, you're the best. And Ross Tucker, we love you here at 95.7 The Game. Thanks, Joe. Love you, brother. From fans behaving badly to fans behaving the way we want them to in professional sports, Sunday in New York, MetLife Stadium, go daddy. Eli Manning posed with his daughter after what could be his final game as a New York Giant. To say the least, though, we know it's his last game at MetLife Stadium. It's a typical Eli day, right, Ross? Three interceptions. Looks like he's really struggling. Does throw two touchdowns. Gets the win and gets, most importantly, a standing ovation from the home crowd. Was this your favorite sight of Sunday? It was because of a lot of different reasons. One is I have a couple daughters also. So watching him hug them in the tunnel, man, I, I can't even imagine what that must be like. You know, my daughters just know that daddy used to play football. Totally different dynamic if daddy's still playing football. And I, I, I'm just happy for him that he had that moment. Now, I know they still play the Eagles at home in a couple of weeks, but Daniel Jones expected to be back in the lineup for that one. I think it was important that Eli got another win, got a win at home, got that standing ovation. You think about, Dave, if you are a Giants fan and you are, what, 22 years old? or something like that, you really don't know much about the Giants before Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning's 17, 16 years, whatever it is, that's been your fandom. That's what you've known as a Giants fan is Eli Manning, including a couple of Super Bowl championships and just the consistency. I have so much respect, Dave. For a guy that never missed a game due to injury, you know how unbelievable that is? It absolutely blows me away. Always handled himself with class. I mean, he was in New York. That is a tough place to be a franchise quarterback for as long as he has been. I know the last few years weren't good, and he shouldn't be a starting quarterback anywhere he had three picks. A couple of them were awful picks, but he's had an outstanding run, a terrific career. He deserved that moment, and I am happy for him. You know, just like I wish the Raiders would have won for all those Raiders fans in Oakland yesterday, I'm glad the Giants won and that Eli got that moment. I think most people are. It was a terrific moment. Eli Manning, I could tell you, having covered him on and off the field, folks, a class act. Uh, the Radio.com Red Zone continues with this, some reaction from that. WFAN talking about what appears to be the final chapter in the book of Eli. 
You know, in all my years, Carl, growing up in this area, I can't think of two athletes that have handled the day-to-day -day of being the star of a team better than Eli Manning and Derek Jeter. Always, every day, speaking to the media, never selling out a single teammate, win, lose, or draw. And now he's being serenaded here at MetLife Stadium. I mean, I think we all we all knew that coming into the game, and um, you know, it was a special day, and we wanted to send him out on the right note. Everybody wanted to try to play a little extra harder, try to get a win for him, and we said it before the game. It was no 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 uh, no secret, you know. There was no mistake. Like guys, like hey, it is what it is. We're trying to get a win for Eli. If this is his last start, we don't know if this is his last start. But if this is his last start at home as a Giant, let's send him off with a bang. I remember being a kid and watching Eli win Super Bowls and, and make big plays. Uh, so, so I've always been motivated from him because he's a top player. And me as a kid watching him, it always been motivation to watch him. So anytime a guy like him uh, who has gave this city so much, uh, you want him to get credit, man. And he got credit today with uh, coming off the field and getting the Eli cheers. And it gave me chills to hear it, man. So it felt good just to be able to, for him to get his respect he deserved. I thought what they did with Eli Manning, pulling him and giving him a standing ovation, that was, if you didn't have a tear in your eye, I don't know if you're human, that was a great moment. I mean, if I'm a team around the league, I, I consider Eli Manning, uh, maybe if a Colts team put Brissett behind him or Tampa Bay, but they might lose Jameis Winston. I consider Eli Manning, if he wants to do it, uh, taking the snaps next August and, and letting someone play behind him. Because in my eyes, in my estimation, I, I, I don't think he's lost anything. Radio.com Red Zone, WFAN in New York City. Listen to them anytime on the Radio.com app, which, of course, is free. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll stay in that division. We'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you feel any better about the Eagles, or do you arguably feel worse after having to go to extreme efforts to beat the awful Washington Redskins and what was Urban Meyer doing in Dan Snyder's box? Plus, is there any time it's inappropriate to stream Red Zone? What do you do when parental duties or husband duties or wife duties get in the way, the ultimate conflict for the NFL fan slash podcast host, Ross? It can get tricky Tricky, tricky on a Sunday in the NFL and this weekend, Saturday as well, because there's a triple header in the NFL this Saturday and there's always kid shit to do on a Saturday. I'm going to have issues. Yeah, I'll, let's talk through it when we come back. I have some ideas for you. I will be in Foxborough calling that Bills Patriots game on Saturday for Westwood one. Looking forward to that one. Then I. Sunday morning, fly back and go to Cowboys-Eagles. It's a rough life, Dave, but it's one that I humbly accept. You know, it's, I basically look at it like I'm serving, uh, maybe not serving the country, but serving the football fans. So, yeah. anyway, I humbly accept the job. I'm glad I got hired for a bunch of them, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Because that's where I went. I, I put my name on ZipRecruiter. And then people find me there, like Gretchen Hebner. She knew how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But when she switched to ZipRecruiter, boy, 
She saw an immediate difference that Gretchen Huebner did. And you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. You see, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then, find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. After a quick break, we'll talk the practice squad player, former college quarterback that saved the day for the Philadelphia Eagles. And do you feel any better about the Eagles after that performance against the Redskins? Also, Kevin Hagelin, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Quick break here on Home and Home. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.